Hello everyone and welcome back to the History of Middle-Earth podcast. My name is Phil and I will be your guide for today's adventure back to Middle-Earth. This week's episode is brought to you by Shurston Eschels. Shurston is a close friend who's actually getting married in a week and a half, so congratulations on that. So sorry I ended up not being able to make it, um, but I wish you guys the best and we'll definitely be streaming it. Uh, for those who don't know, Shurston does cosplay and she has a little side business where if you need cloaks or anything like that for your cosplay or costumes or anything like that, she can create all sorts of stuff like that and she actually does a really good job of it. And I'm not just saying that. I've seen it, her work in person and I thought it was bought in like a licensed product that was done professionally and it turned out that she had actually made it. So yeah, she does really good work. So if you need anything done, feel free to find her at Hooded and Cloaked on Instagram. We're going to be skipping this week in Middle Earth history since this episode is being recorded right after the last episode so I can push out two new episodes to you all since I've had to replace half my recording equipment and there was a significant delay in episodes. So we're going to just dive right into the main topic for this episode, which is going to be Lothlorien. Lothlorien was a kingdom of the Sylvan Elves and on the eastern side of the Hithaglir. It was considered one of the most beautiful places in Middle-earth during the Third Age and had the only Malorn trees east of the sea. The first inhabitants of the forest were a group of Nandor that refused to cross the Hithaglir. Lorien was probably one of their scattered settlements in the area. Later, however, as the power of Longbeards of Moria grew, they relocated to the western side of the Anduin, across from the Nimrodale. The land in which they dwelt, the forest east of the Hithaglir, above Fangorn and below Mirkwood, had became known in the Sylvan tongue as Lorienend, or Laurelandorienend. Following the destruction of Beleriand in the War of Wrath, most of the Noldoran exiles, exiles and remnants of the Sindar retreated to Linden. The Valar reinvited these elves to Amman, but Amdir, among many others, was unwilling and remained in Linden. He, along with his son Amroth, established himself in Lorenend, where he would soon lead the princeless Sylvan elves. Their language was then replaced by Sundaran. The arrival of the Sinda Amdir affected the Nandor of Laurel Nandorianen. He took over as their king, while another Sinda, Orifer, became the king of Greenwood the Great. And for those who don't already know, Orifer was Legolas's grandfather. Caliborn, a Sindarin elf, with, dwelt with his Noldoran wife Galadriel in Eregion. Caliborn, a Sindarin elf, dwelt with his Noldoran wife Galadriel in Eregion. They made contact with the Nandor of Lornend, and before long they passed through Moria and arrived in the woods. Before the fall of Eregion and the death of Celebrimbor, Nenya, one of the three rings given to the elves, was delivered to Galadriel. The survivors of Eregion included many Noldor and Sindar, escaped 
into Kazadum, where they were granted passage by their dwarf friends, coming eventually through the Misty Mountains to the woodlands that would long afterwards be called Lothlorien. As Sauron's power grew over the Westlands, King Amdir marshaled the elves of Lorinand to the War of the Last Alliance. His division was cut off from the main body during the Battle of Daggerlad, and many of the Nandor went down into the dead marshes with their king. The survivors of the battle, which included Amdir's son, Amroth, returned to Lorinand. Amroth was the new king, but he was tired of Middle-earth and wished to go to the west and seek Valinor. When Moria fell to evil in TA 1981, many of the Lorinan elves fled south. Around that time, Amroth departed to Edhelund with his beloved Nimrodel. The Nandor never saw either of them again. After Amroth and Nimrodel had passed away, Celeborn and Galadriel took the title of Lord and Lady of the Galadrum, the collective name for the people of Lothlorien. With Nenya, the land was kept pure and alive, and evil was not permitted to penetrate it. They moved back to the western side of Anduin and built Karas Galadon, the great center of the Woodland Kingdom. Karas Galathon, the heart of Elvendom on Earth, realm of the Lord Celeborn and of Galadriel, Lady of Light. There, Galadriel planted seeds of the Malon trees that was given to her by Gilgalad when she lived in Linden, where they couldn't grow. It was because of the Melorn that Lothorian became known as the Golden Wood thenceforth. Lothorian was filled with light and life and became beautiful and by the power of the elven ring, the trees did not die. Under the Lord and Lady, Lothorian prospered for more than a thousand years as time passed without decay under the golden bows. Celeborn and Galadriel produced a daughter, Celebrain, who married Elrond, and their granddaughter, Arwen, Undomiel, was considered the fairest of the elven race at the time. In TA 3017, Aragorn passed Lothorian with the captured Gollum to deliver him to Mirkwood. Gandalf got word from Lothorian on his way to the Shire, and he changed his course to go and meet them. But as the Third Age came to an end, troubles at last began to touch the valley of singing gold. As the shadow of Sauron lengthened and the War of the Ring raged, Lorien received the remnants of the Fellowship of the Ring. The Border Wardens came across them. Among the company were Aragorn, a prince of the Dunedain, and a friend of the Lady, as well as Legolas of Mirkwood. The only reservation the Border Wardens had about them was the Dwarf, Gimli. The Dwarf breathed so loud we could have shot him in the dark. The Fellowship were led in blindfolded for a time, but at Galadriel's word, they were taken to Caris Galadon on 17th of January, 3019 of the Third Age, and their blindfolds were removed. The very night the Fellowship arrived, a band of orcs crossed the Nimrodel. A regiment or so of the Galadrim were sent out, and the orcs were destroyed. There the elves learned of the death of Gandalf and Galadriel knew what evil had been brought into the Golden Wood. She revealed her own ring to Frodo, and showed him her mirror. 
Then the Fellowship was furnished with new supplies and sent off down the Anduin, bearing the gifts of the Lord and Lady. My gift for you, Legolas, is a bow of the Galadrim, worthy of the skill of our woodland kin. These are the daggers of the Noldorim. They have already seen service in war. Do not fear, young Peregrine Took. You will find your courage. And for you, Samwise Gamgee, elven rope made of heathline. Thank you, my lady. Have you run out of those nice shiny daggers? And what gift would a dwarf ask of the elves? Nothing. Except to look upon the lady of the Galadrim one last time. For she is more fair than all the jewels beneath the earth. <laughs> oh. Oh. Actually, uh, there was one thing. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Talking nonsense. I have nothing greater to give than the gift you already bear. Amelethdin, Iantigwil Arwen, Domiel, Vigitha. Anidoni Ebroniatha, Arae Periatha, Atharimethi de Damare. That choice is yet before her. Farewell, Frodo Baggins. I give you the light of Erendil, our most beloved star. fair unless it be her gift to me. What was her gift? I asked her for one hair from her golden head. She gave me three. Right when the company left, Gwaihir brought Gandalf to the Golden Wood, who was only re recovering from his battle with Durin's Bane. He was healed, clothed, and given a new staff before leaving for Fangorn. But the coming of the One Ring was only the beginning of their troubles, but they were only the heralds of greater conflicts that were to occur. Sauron unleashed massive attacks on the Golden Wood. On the 11th of March, orcs from Dol Godor swarmed into the forest on a full-scale assault. By the power of the Wood Elves in Galadriel's Ring, they were pushed back. The second wave came on the 15th of March, at the same time as the invasion invasion of Mirkwood. Again, the orcs were forced out. 
The third and last attack was made seven days later on the 22nd of March. They caused much destruction, but Celeborn led the Nandor in a great counterattack. Boats were made, and the armies of Lorien crossed the Anduin. They stormed Dol Guldor, with the Nazgul being absent and in the war to the south, and took it. Galadriel threw down its walls, and Mirkwood was cleansed. The southern part of Mirkwood fell into the dominion of Lothlorien, and it was called East Lorien. Only two and a half years later, after the War of the Ring, Galadriel, the Lady of Lorien, took ship west to Valinor. The eastern border of Lothlorien and the southern Aran Lasgalen became East Lorien. It was founded after the cleansing of Dol Guldor during the War of the Ring, and Kilborn ruled the Galadrim of Lothlorien. In the Fourth Age, he grew weary and left for Rivendell, leaving the woodland, wooded land east of Lorien populated by only a few wandering sylvan elves. In the Fourth Age, 121, a grief-filled Arwen Nundomiel traveled to Lothlorien, now fully abandoned, after Aragorn surrendered his life, surrendering her own life upon Karen Amroth. Lothorian stood between the southeastern end of the Misty Mountains and the great river Anduin. The river Celebrant ran through the woods from its source in the mountains to the west through to the Anduin to the east. In its earlier days, the woods of Lothorian extended all the way south into Vangorn Forest. In these days, there was no true border between the two territories, though after conversation between Treebeard and the King of the Golden Wood, it was agreed that the inhabitants of either land could walk freely at their own leisure across whatever borders there may be. It was also possible that the woods of Lorien extended into the southern regions of Greenwood the Great, though there is only a small amount of evidence supporting this possibility. By the Third Age, Lorien was separate from Fangorn in the south and Mirkwood in the east by many miles of open wilderness. Lothlorien, said to mean Lorien of the Blossom, is a compound of Sindarin Loth and Quenya Lorien, Dreamland. Treebeard translates the name as Dreamflower. Lothlorien was often shortened to Lorien, or the Golden Wood, referring to the golden Malorn trees that grew in that land. Other names recorded for the region were Laurel Lindorinen, which Quenya, meaning Valley of the Singing Gold, Lorinend, Noldor, meaning Valley of Gold, Lorinande, Quenya, meaning Valley of Gold, Lorinin, Sindarin, for Valley of Gold, Nanlaur, also Sindarin, for Valley of Gold, Lindorinend, Noldor, Valley of the Land of Singers, Dwimmerdain, the name means Haunted Valley in Old English. Now we're going to go into some details of the elves of Lothlorien. Lothlorien elves are the most well-known and popular of the different elves, mainly due to them having the most screen or book time over the others, if the others ever made it to the screen in the first place. Sorry, Galador. They were also under the command of Haldir, a highly respected captain who would always go above and beyond for a friend or ally. As many know, the time of the elves was ending and they were heading to the Undying Lands. And this is where the movie put a different twist on it, 
than the book. So in the movie, Haldir had an issue with that and felt as though they were just abandoning their allies, the race of men, when they needed them the most. So Haldir gained the support of Elrond and went before Galadriel and Celeborn to convince them to let him take some elves to help out Rohan at Helm's Deep. So with their blessing, he rallied 200 of his elves to bring the much-needed reinforcements to Rohan. How is this possible? I bring word from Elrond of Rivendell. An alliance once existed between elves and men. Long ago we fought and died together. We come to honor that allegiance. Why go on in You are most welcome. How dear. And his elves gave up their main opportunity to go to the Undying Lands and enjoy their immortality in order to make sure their ally was not left alone in a dire time of need. Unfortunately, none of the elves, Haldir included, survived the battle. Although they only numbered 200, compared to that of the 300 Rohan soldiers, the elves killed roughly 10 times the amount of Urukai by the time the last elf fell inside the Hornburg. Lothlorien elves didn't use shields, since they used stealth as their quote-unquote shield when in combat, making the enemy never know where the arrows were coming from. It also would have made it much more cumbersome to march to places like Helm's Deep with large shields, when time was of the essence. The longbow of the Galadrim was said to be the most beautiful in Middle-earth, and was by far the most powerful, with a draw weight in excess of 200 pounds. The bows were constructed from the Malorn trees that only grew in the woods of Lothorian. There was a long process in creating a single bow to make it the seven-foot-tall deadly weapon it had become, which is too long of a process for me to explain here on the podcast. Sorry. The string of the bow was made around a single strand of elven hair in order to give it extra strength. It is said that between the construction of the bow and their elven skill, they could maintain pinpoint accuracy of a quarter mile or maybe more. The arrows used were nearly four feet long and made from unstained ash and sometimes malorn shoots. They had long arrow heads that extended back over the shaft for better stability, and the head that had a subtle appearance of a malorn leaf that was lethal against any type of target. The flights, or fletches, were long goose or swan feathers, skillfully tied in a spiral pattern to the shaft with golden wire. The fletches had a very slight spiral to them for even more increased stability, and the knock was reinforced with deer antler so it wouldn't shatter from the power of the bow upon release. The quiver hadn't changed much over the thousands of years of the elves. However, the Lorian elves did add a gold inlay to the leather to match the rest of their armor. The sword used by them was almost no different than, the, than their Noldoran kin of the Last Alliance. It is said that the sword already reached the pinnacle of its usability. The sword stretched five feet in total length and was half handle, half blade. The blade was wider than most with a little more weight towards the top for extra power in a swing. The elves gripped with one hand at the top and one hand at the bottom of the grip and swung in whirling motions. The design of the blade then helped cut through the armor and maintain its sharpness and power. 
Haldir had a longsword of his own that was nearly identical to Hadhafeng, but with a larger and thicker blade. There was no runes on the blade, but a golden flower bed detail grown into the handle. The scabbards, or sheaths, of the elven swords were made from the trays of the golden wood and shared a golden inlay of the swords and bows. The armor of the Last Alliance was made from the Noldorian design, and the Battle of Helm's Deep was made from the Sindarian design. The armor's colors were autumnal themes and found in nature, instead of the brighter spring colors of the golden armor of their kin from long ago. As the time of the elves faded, so did the colors of their armor. The elves donned their steel-plated armor and leather armor from the Battle of Helm's Deep, since the chance of close combat was a given. Over their robes they were, wore a hauberk of fine gold, leaf-shaped mail with long sleeves, which went to a knee-length skirt of metallic silk that had been designed to be rows of tiny leaf shapes. Unlike their Noldoric kin, the gold-plated steel cuirass and fold were separate pieces. The cuirass was ahead of its time, bearing a hinge point down the center, giving the wearer full protection but full mobility to draw arrows or have a large sweeping blow with a sword. In the bottom center that came to a point, there was a decorative badge that had the elf's house enameled on it. The slim leather tunic was covered by their thick leather fold, also designed for maximum maneuverability that was held on by a leather belt. They also used leather for the gloves and bracers, they then had steel vambrace that was tied over the bracer and a steel pauldron that was strapped to the cuirass and arm. Their helmet had a light amount of flex to them, so they would hug the wearer's head and not be knocked off during battle. Sticking with the autumnal theme and torn leaf look of the other armor, the helmet also had a crest that was more for decoration over actual defense. The last piece was the silk cloak. This cloak, while not good for stealth and direct combat, served as a distraction device and made it hard for enemies to attack specific areas, and giving them a greater chance to swing and miss. This suit of armor was the most sophisticated ever seen in Middle-earth. While in Lothlorien, the Gladrim stuck to their simple and soft robes since they used stealth as their protection, similar to Athelian rangers. Their robes were grays, greens, and browns in order to blend in even more with their surroundings. During the Siege of Gondor, there were three attacks on Lothlorien, all three of which were unsuccessful. The royal guards did don only the leather portions of their armor, however no enemy made it even close to Karas Galadon. And there you have it, the history of Lothlorien. Again, if you do want more content, feel free to check out our Facebook page and Facebook group, History of Middle-Earth Podcast. Check out our website, ministeryeartharchives.com, and we're on Instagram at History of Middle-Earth Pod. And if you want some cool memorabilia, check out tpublic.com slash History of Middle-Earth Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope to see you back next time. Until then, I'm your host, Phil, and you're listening to History of Middle-Earth Podcast.